Hello and welcome. You are listening to the teaching ministry of Coastal Oaks Church in Rockport, Texas. It is our hope that you will be encouraged and that your desire to follow Jesus Christ will be challenged and strengthened as you listen to this podcast. For more information on location, service times, and what to expect on your next visit, go to coastaloakschurch.org. Now, grab your Bible and study along with us as you listen. You may be seated. I invite you to open your Bibles to the book of Joshua, chapter 4. Joshua, chapter 4. We're going to talk about spiritual markers today. Back in 1965 at the World's Fair, they put together a time capsule to be opened later to remind people of what was important at that time in history. 1965, this is what they put in there. Credit cards, an electric toothbrush, tranquilizers, yeah, some detergent and a recording by the Beatles. That's what they thought would epitomize and and solidify and make a marker of that time and that what was going on in our culture. Some of that fits. I can see where they got it. Well, we're going to look at Joshua chapter 4 where God asked the children of Israel to Put together one of those kind of markers, one of those time capsules to be a testimony of what was going on at the time, but more than that, a testimony of the grace of God in their lives. Just to set the stage for Joshua chapter 4, the first couple of chapters of Joshua are the record of the children of Israel about to take possession of the land. I hope you remember the story or know the story. If not, let me just go back and, and, uh, and tell you what took place God raised up Moses, we've talked about that recently, to be the deliverer of the people. He led the children of Israel out of Egypt, out of bondage, up to the promised land. God gave them this land. He said, this is a land I'm giving you, a land flowing with milk and honey. Joshua, uh, Moses sent 12 spies into the land. They looked at the land, and most of the people who looked at the land were fearful. And they came back, and the majority gave this report. The land is too vast. The, the people are like giants. The cities are too fortified. We cannot take possession of the land. That was the majority report. Joshua and Caleb were the only ones that said, no, we can take the land, but the the people listened to the majority. What happened was God said, because that generation failed to believe God, failed to trust God and take possession of the land, that generation would spend 40 years wandering through the desert until that generation died off. That's what that 40 years ended up doing. That that generation that said, we, we see God's given it to us, but we can't completely trust him and obey. So God said, okay, I'm gonna let that generation just wander. And that's exactly what they did. Joshua and Caleb now are the only two remaining of that generation. When Moses leaves the scene, he passes the mantle or the torch or the baton. To, Moses passes that to Joshua, and now Joshua is their leader. And they look at the land this time, and this time there's a a passionate faith that we can do it. So this is the story of the children of Israel encamped at the Jordan River at flood stage, by the way. Not just a little river, but at flood stage. And they're ready to go take possession of the land. Look with me. Chapter 4, verse 4. So Joshua summoned the 12 men he had selected from the Israelites, one man for each tribe, and said to them, Go across to the ark of the Lord your God in the middle of the Jordan. Each of you lift up a stone onto his shoulder, each one for each of the Israelite tribes, so that this will be a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean to you, you should tell them the waters of the Jordan were cut off in front of the ark of the Lord's covenant when it crossed the Jordan. The Jordan's waters were cut off, therefore these stones will always be a memorial for the Israelites. So here's what happened. 
God instructed the priest to take the Ark of the Covenant and to step foot in the water. We've looked at this before. And the water is still rushing until they put their feet in the water and the water stopped. God held it up and they were able to pass through on dry ground. And God tells them to go to that place where the Ark is. Go to the middle of the river there and take 12 stones and place those 12 stones in the new land. Skip with me to verse 19 now. The people came up from the Jordan on the 10th day of the first month. And they camped at Gilgal on the eastern limits of Jericho in the promised land. Then Joshua set up in Gilgal the 12 stones they had taken from the Jordan. He said to the Israelites in the future, when your children ask their fathers, what is the meaning of these stones? You should tell your children, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan before you until you crossed over. Just as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up before us until we crossed over. Verse 24, this is so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the Lord's hand is mighty, and so that you may always fear the Lord your God. God tells them, I want this day to be a spiritual marker so that you can tell your kids and their kids and they can tell their kids what all this means. We've been a part of a marker today, and we're going to talk about that in a moment, but I would just like us to look at four truths about spiritual markers. Number one, number one, spiritual markers designate significant times. Spiritual markers designate significant times in the lives of the people of God. Look with me at verse 19. The people came up from the Jordan on the 10th day of the first month. Camped at Gilgal on the eastern limits of Jericho. The people crossed the Jordan River on the 10th day of the first month. Folks, it is 40 years to the day that God used Moses to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt to this moment right here. God's timing is always so perfect. Someone said he took them from deliverance to delivery. Delivered from bondage, delivered to the promised land. God keeping his promise Significant times in the lives of the people of God are marked by spiritual markers. We've had several markers in the life of this church. We, somebody found out and calculated that it was seven years from the time we started the specific journey part to, to build this building. Seven years from the time we began to the time we got to move in and have our celebration service in this place. There have been significant markers all along the way in the life of this church when we cleared this property and prayed over it when we poured the foundation and stood in, in a circle with our hands held as we sang and stood on this, this place right here, hoping, dreaming, uh, trusting God for one day when there would be a building here. And We've had the celebrations as the beams were delivered and we wrote scripture on them. And as the walls went up, this, all these walls have scripture and, and praise was written on them before they got sealed up with sheetrock. It's exciting. Those are, those are markers, significant times when we go back to, to those moments in our life when God did a significant work. Uh, I, I believe the, the first marker that uh, really this should be the marker of any Christian's life is that, that time when you trusted Christ as personal Savior. That, that moment. Now, you may not know the day or the date. I can't remember the day or the date. It was a weekday, and I was driving past the church, and God's Holy Spirit prompted me, Kevin, today's the day you got to get this settled. And I pulled my truck into the church parking lot and walked in and told the receptionist that I needed to see the pastor because the pastor is the only one that could tell me what to do, right? That's what I thought. But anyway, I was wrong, but that's what I thought. Pastor got a hold of me and 
sat down in his study and began to share with him the burden in my life of how uh, I just wasn't sure I was going to heaven and I, I was struggling and, and he said, Kevin, you know what to do. He knew that I'd been raised in a Christian home. He knew that I'd been attending church. He knew that I'd been away from the Lord for a while from that upbringing I'd had and, and he knew that I knew exactly what I needed to do at that moment. And so there in his study, I prayed and I said, Lord Jesus, come into my life. I'm a sinner. I've messed up my life. Would you please forgive me of all my sins? Come into my life and take charge, take over. And I just gave it all to the Lord. And he took over. See, I I go back to that. That's the first marker in my life, the first spiritual marker. Do you have one of those? Do you have a time in your life? You may not, again, you may not know the date. You may not know the day. But can you go back in your mind to a time when you trusted Christ as Savior? That's why I think it's important when a person trusts Christ to write in the Bible uh, the date of their conversion, when they passed from death to life, when they went from, from de- deliverance to delivery, when God worked in their life. One of our ladies who has trouble remembering asked me, Pastor, would you, could we pray this prayer and write it in my Bible so we've got that date, so we've done that. A, a marker to go back to a significant time. I loved hearing our deacon testimonies, how the guys would say, it was in such and such a church, I was sitting in that pew, and the Spirit of God got a hold of me. Or I was sitting back there at the soundboard, and God spoke to my heart, and I responded. Though That time, a, 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 a moment in time when you pass from death to life. I hope you have one of those. In the life of this church, we're going to continue to celebrate those kind of times as a corporate body, as a congregation. Spiritual markers designate significant times. Number two. Spiritual markers illustrate important truths. They illustrate important truths. Look with me at verse 6. This will be a sign among you. In the future when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? You should tell them. By the way, he says, what do these stones mean to you? It has to be personal before you can communicate it to someone else. Important truths. The, The truth for them was that God had delivered them from bondage and was now giving them the new land. Look with me at verse 9. We did not read this, but this is a significant verse. Not only did God tell them to take stones from the river and place in Gilgal, but verse 9 says, Joshua also set up 12 stones in the middle of the Jordan where the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant were standing. The stones are there to this day. So Joshua led the children of Israel to take stones out of the river to place them in the new land as a a marker, as a reminder that God brought them there. But then he also piled up some stones in the river. And we know that when they crossed the river, the water came back over and covered those stones. The Bible says they're there to this day. If we could go and figure it out where they are, they'd still be there somewhere in the Jordan River. Now, they may have washed down a ways. They may have been uh, made smaller by the river, but... For, for Joshua's day, they were right there. See, in the Jordan is a picture of a spiritual truth. Just like on the new land is a picture of a spiritual truth. You have, you have the old life before Christ in the river. And you have the new life after Christ in the promised land. See, we sing a lot about the promised land and, and crossing over Jordan and talk about from passing from this death to life, the the biblical model is crossing over Jordan is, is salvation. And the, the picture of the old life is the stones in the river where the water comes over the stones, and it's a picture of burial. See, for the children of Israel, it was no turning back. God was saying, I want you to leave those stones there. Let the water cover them. And that reminds you, you you're not going back. This is the new land. 
We have a picture in our church that we, we get to celebrate frequently lately. Praise the Lord. It's called baptism. Did you know that when we lower a person in the water right back here, that, that it's a picture of burial and death, and that that water comes over them and they're buried? That, that's a picture of the old life being put to death. See, that happened for me as a teenager when I trusted Christ as my Savior. The old life was put to death. I've been given new life. I have a friend who pastored in, in uh, California on, the, on the, the west coast there, near San Diego, and he, they did their baptisms in the ocean. He said, he said Kevin, man, it's, it's, it's a trip. Because what we do is we just get them out there, we walk them out far enough about waist high, and we hold them facing the, facing the ocean, and we just wait for the wave. And I, he said, I just hold them up, and here comes the wave. It, it doesn't take much to do that at all. The water buries them, and they've been immersed. I think that's pretty cool. We, we won't have a wave like that going back here ever that I know of. However, some of the guys have volunteered, have threatened to do cannonballs and that kind of thing. But uh, the water coming over the person is a picture of the old life being put to death. Listen, if you've trusted Christ as your personal Savior, your old life has been put to death. Don't go back there. Don't try to relive that. Don't try to reclaim that. It, it's over. It's done. That life where sin controlled you, it has no more control over you. Romans tells you that clearly. The old life. The new life in Christ. So for Joshua, those stones told a significant truth, those spiritual markers. For us, it's a reminder, this spiritual marker, that we have a place where a new life began and the old life was ended. Number three, spiritual markers cause us to think. Those spiritual markers cause us to think. Again in verse 6, when this is to be a sign among you, a, a marker, uh, an indication, a picture, a, a reminder, a memorial to you, that when your children ask what do these stones mean to you, you should tell them. It causes you to pause and think, okay, what do these stones mean in my life? When the children of Israel saw the stones in the new land, they had to pause and somebody said, what do these stones mean? Well, let's think about this. I remember that day that we came across the Jordan River. I remember when Joshua led one from each tribe to take a stone out and place it in the land. I remember that. You have to step back and be reminded of the activity of God. I think it's so significant to me that Joshua is leading over two million people. Think about that. Over two million people across this Jordan River into the Promised Land. I, I just, I, can you imagine what the people of Jericho must have been thinking? They'd heard the stories, and here is this mass of people coming their way. There was fear, and that, that's what the Bible says. They were fearful of the children of Israel. But in that chaotic crossing of the river, God says, I want you to stop and pick up some stones and put them over here. Why would God do that? Because it was important. Because he knew when they got in the new land, they were going to forget where they came from. They were going to forget the, the, the fact that they used to be lost and in bondage. And now they've been set free. They need to be reminded of it. They needed to stop and pause and think about it. But there's no going back. That first spiritual marker for you when you think about trust, the time you trusted Christ as Savior, let it be a time that when you think of it, that it that it stops you in your tracks and it causes you to think what it used to be like. I, there's a prayer that I pray, not regularly, but God brings it to mind periodically. 
And I say, God, help me not to forget what it was like when I was lost. Help me not forget how desperate I was and how alone I was and how hurting I was and how confused I was because, God, that's how everybody around me who doesn't know you is. When I think about my conversion experience, my salvation moment of trusting Christ as Savior, I wanted to remind me, I wanted to be able to think about the fact that I was messed up and now he's fixed me. He's transformed me. One of the songs we sang, we sang about my righteousness. You know where that comes from? It comes from God. The Bible says when the Father looks at me, he doesn't see me. He sees the righteousness of Christ. What a blessing. It causes us to think. Pause. Think. Number four, spiritual markers give us opportunities to teach. Opportunities to teach. Look with me at verse 23. Well, actually, I want to go to verse 20. I did that earlier, too. Verse 20. Then Joshua set up in Gilgal the 12 stones they had taken from the Jordan. And he said to the Israelites, In the future, when your children ask their fathers, What is the meaning of these stones? You should tell your children. Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan before you, until you had crossed over, just as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up before us until he crossed over. I think it's interesting. God is teaching in that moment. <laughs> While he's talking about the event of crossing the Jordan River, he's also reminding of the event of crossing the Red Sea. There's kind of a, a two-step process here of communicating truth. And this is the first place of communicating truth. That's to your children. He says, when your children ask you, what does this mean? You tell them. In verse 6, he words it a little bit differently. When they ask you, what does this mean to you? It has to be personal. You have to know Christ to be able to share Christ with your kids. Now, do you know this, that, that you can go out and tell people about Jesus and not know him as your Savior? I've seen that happen. Happens in churches all the time. We have people who are just church members, and they can actually tell the story of the gospel but they haven't been regenerated by the power of God. They never trusted Christ. They're, they've just walked an aisle or become a member. But I've learned that you really can't communicate faith to your kids unless it's your faith. You know why? Because kids know you. They can sense it. They know when you're right, when you're open, when you're transparent with them. They can see right through. So the first step of teaching with a spiritual marker is to communicate it to your kids. Let them know, this is what happened in my life. I shared with you all recently how I've done a journal of my, my own history of my life for my kids so that they've got a record of how God worked in my life in those times. Use it as an opportunity to teach. Teach your kids, first of all. Secondly, look at verse 24. It's an opportunity to teach others. This is so that all the people of the earth may know that your Lord's hand is mighty so that you will always fear the Lord your God. See, Israel as a people had a twofold purpose to walk with God and to be a light to the nations now walk with God is spelled out through the whole Old Testament constantly where God says be careful to obey be careful to obey be careful to obey be careful to do everything I've shown you be be careful because he wants them to have a walk with them because when you have a walk with him other people see that walk and they want to know what's going on my own commitment to Christ, my own trusting Christ as Savior as a result of watching God work in my parents' life. 
And I said, I didn't say to them, I was too embarrassed, but I said to God, I said, God, I want what my mom and dad have. I want to know what you've done in their life because what you've done in their life hasn't happened to me yet. And I need that. See, that's what God wanted the children of Israel to do. He wanted them to be a a city on a hill so that the world would look at Israel, the world would look at this people of God walking with him and want what they had. How are we doing at that, church? How are we doing at the, the world that we live in, seeing the presence of Christ in our lives so that they want what we have, so that they're hungering and thirsting for righteousness because they look at our lives? See, this, this marker, this setting up of these stones in the river and the setting up of the stones in Gilgal was to be something where the people would say, what happened? And the people of God could say, this is what happened. When we shared the announcement of our encounter offering a, a few weeks ago, that over $130,000 offering, we sent letters out to people on our mailing list and uh, we got all kinds of responses Verna told me her mom looked at that letter and and read it several times to make sure she was reading what she was reading because it was just, it was an unbelievable amount for this congregation. And we were able to say God did it. I got a phone call from a winter Texan in Michigan and, and he said, I'm just calling to tell you I was blown away by that amount and I've shared that with my son and his church and they can't believe it. And all they could say was God is amazing. I said, that's the whole point. See, That's what the encounter is supposed to be about. It's supposed to be about God showing up and showing off, as my wife says. Opportunity to teach. This morning, we wedged in between our 8.30 worship service and this worship service, just a a time of dedication of this property next door. We asked some guys to clear a little piece of land out, some brush and trees, so we could at least stand on there and have a ceremony, and they cleared almost the whole property. (laughs) They got after it. We, they, they've cleared a path going out, a path that way, and a path that way across the whole property so that we could get on there this morning. And our, our celebration was a marker that God has given us that. And we could have just said, yay, God, and we could have said God gave it to us like we've done, and that would have been it. But I, I wanted us to physically actually do something today. So what we did was, remember that well that was right here a couple of weeks ago? You dropped your encounter offering in that well. We set that well up again right outside this door here. And as a part of that ceremony, just like Joshua did, we asked our people to pick up a stone, and there were 49 of them, and take them and reconstruct that well in the new land. Now, I had in my mind that about maybe eight or ten strong, able-bodied guys would pick up the stones and just make several trips and put them there. And I said, those who are able, pick up a stone. And we had kids about this big picking up those stones. We had ladies carrying those stones. We had senior adults carrying those stones. It was awesome. And they placed them over there, and we reconstructed that well right inside the property there. If you go out these doors, if you weren't able to be there, if you go right outside these doors, there's a little clearing. Just walk about 10 yards and look left, and you'll see the well there. We asked our people to take a card and write on that card a a prayer of thanksgiving or a scripture of thanksgiving or praise to God. Some even wrote prayer requests and we asked them to go on the property and as a, a marker that God did this to drop that in the well. If you weren't able to be here, there's some cards out there on the um, information table and you can take one and write your own prayer of thanksgiving and just walk over there and drop it in. If you haven't had opportunity, you can walk the property. Be careful, it's, 
still pretty rough property, but um, it's amazing. My, my wife and I just, uh, I said, let's go walk on that thing. So I took her hand, and we started walking out there down the middle, and I turned around looking. Everybody was behind us. I didn't know where I was going because I hadn't walked the whole thing myself, so we were just walking, and they're following us. I said, I sure hope wherever I'm going leads to somewhere. We finally got, that's what pastoring is. Did you know that? You just hope that wherever you're going, they follow. You know they're going to follow. You just hope it goes somewhere. That was a clear object lesson. But we, we walked pretty much that perimeter of that property and came back. What a blessing to, to set foot down. And, and we started with uh, little children reading scripture. Had some young adult teenager read scripture. Uh, when we came to the ribbon cutting part of the ceremony, we, we did a drawing in the three, four, and five-year-old class. And we had a, how old is he? Four? Four. We had a four-year-old uh, do the ribbon cutting for us today. Why? Because I, I wanted it to be a multi-generational thing. One of these days, he's going to be able to say when he's got his kids, he cut the ribbon. Won't that be cool? We just wanted everybody to be a part of it, to, to establish a marker. The kids were there. Kids carried stones. Kids placed their cards in the well. Why? To say, God did this. I invite you when we're done today, if you want to just walk out there, just walk and pray and give God thanks because he's a mighty God. Look again at verse 24. Can I just take the liberty of paraphrasing and adding to this? I'm not adding to the word of God, but I just want you to see what I'm, I'm going to personalize this scripture. It's as if God is saying, Coastal Oaks Church, I made available this property at that price, which wasn't supposed to happen. I made it for sale, which we were told it wasn't. And I made provision for you to purchase it debt-free for this reason, so that all the people of the earth may know that the Lord's hand is mighty, so that they might always fear the Lord your God. Folks, this, this didn't happen out here, so we can say, yay, Coastal Oaks. Okay? This happened out here, so God could say to this community, the Lord our God is great and mighty and able to do amazing things through his people. Let's pray together.